0: I'm a feminist, but... This week, International Women's Day week, I went to many, many events and at one, watched a lecture in which I was told that women's chances of being a CEO were very low, uh, which I knew. (laughs) of living in the world. (laughs) But also, something I didn't know, that crash test dummies are generally male, which means women's chances of being injured in a car accident are higher because the seatbelts are not made for us. And when they do use female crash test dummies, they tend to put them in the passenger seat (laughs) because it's not like we're going to be driving. (laughs) And my first thought was... If comedy and all of this goes tits up for me, I kind of knew I wasn't going to be a CEO, but it would have been nice to think I could have got a gig as a fucking crash test dummy.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but... (laughs) I got pissed off because I took a guy on a date to an England game at Wembley Stadium in a VIP box, spent a lot of money on him, and on my date, he took me to the park. (laughs) Did he bring a picnic? No, he didn't. (laughs) I hope that was the last date. It was, yeah. I still sat on his face, but after that, never again. (laughs) I'm a feminist.
3: But I'm also uh, uh, an independent lady. So independent, I could be in Destiny's Child. Um, But I do feel like right now is a great time in my life for a sugar person to enter. I don't need to gender it. It doesn't need to be specific. Just a sugar person. Just someone with money <laughs> who wants to give it to me. Um, amazing.
2: I'm a feminist but when I get dressed up and leave my house, I purposely walk past a barbershop and if all those guys don't turn around and look at me, I go home. <laughs> To, presumably just to change
0: and have another go. No, I just stay in my house. You're, just, you're home for the day. Yeah, to, to be honest, down. that would be my great dream, that I'd be home for the day. I'd be like, oh, I hope they don't look. I've got a lot of stuff backed up on Netflix.
3: I'm a feminist, but I currently am judging myself about how bad I want a bone. Um, it's not great. Uh, Quite keen for the pain at the moment, and uh, I don't know how to handle it. It's really unsettling, and I have to be careful. Like I'm beyond sexually frustrated. I'm sexually furious, and uh, it's not good. I can't even speak in low tones because the vibrations will travel down to my clitoris. Um, just got to be careful.
0: I mean, we're sex positive, and we're here for you, Thank you so much. in the dressing room if necessary. I'm a feminist, but I hosted the Stylist Remarkable Women Awards on Tuesday, which was an amazing honor. I met so many amazing women. But the day before, the body admin took three days, three full days. And the day before, I went in for my spray tan. And after I came out and I phoned my friend Susan Wacoma, and I said to her, Susie, you will never as a black woman know the indignity of standing spread eagles naked in front of a lady who then paints you with freezing cold spray paint and then dries you with a reverse hoover head. And she said, that's right, honey, that's black privilege.
2: Although I actually did go to a tanning salon on my 90th birthday, pretended to be a white girl, and was like, "I'm so sorry, I stayed in too long," and for like, for like 10 seconds, the chick believes me. It was like, "Oh shit!" Then realised, I'm just black, babe. Do you know what I mean? That's how you get them. That's reparations. Do you know what I mean? Let's Welcome to the
0: guilty feminist International Women's Day special. You will be seeing more of them this evening. Thank you so much. Kima in London will be back. Uh, So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for coming out and filling every tier of the Barbican. Top tier. Are you feeling quite far away? Absolutely. Okay, now we need to look after those people. Everyone who's coming out, look after those people because otherwise we're not intersectional. Because those people up, you guys have front row privilege. Right here, right here. I can touch you and will. I can't, I can't touch, but I will send my energy up right up to the back. Whoever catches it, just cheer. Wow, I have more magical powers than I thought. That touched a lot of people. So it's International Women's Day Week. Yeah. I I'm highly aware because as a professionally entertaining feminist, I am carted around from pillar to post, <laughs> I tell you, from Monday morning. It doesn't stop. I'm out on Sunday afternoon, well after the day has passed. It's in the rearview mirror for you. You're just at home watching Russian Dolls. Not me. Oh, not me. No. I'm, at some, I'm telling you, International Women's Day, it used to be a day. It has now become a week, but it's called International Women's Day Week. because they're not prepared to give us a whole week. They're like, it's the week of the day. It's the week of the day. I'm telling you, I get not around like a draft horse. I am exhausted. I don't know how men do it with their other 51 weeks of the year. I'm grateful it's only a week. I feel for them now. I get it, it must be tiring. Every week they have to get up, Go to a breakfast panel and explain what it's like to be a man. (laughs) Go to a lunch event and explain how difficult it is to be a man because of women getting in the way. (laughs) Go to an evening event and form an army of men who talk about how they need to help each other more. I don't know. Presumably, that's what they do. (laughs) Presumably, that's how they live. I've been thinking a lot about the joys of being a woman uh, this week. And I don't like, you know, we're way past that Mars and Venus, all women are, all men are, and I don't want to be reductive in any way. But I think there is one thing that I have noticed that is true of all women I've virtually ever met. I have never been to lunch with three other women and not had it turn into a coaching session. I've lived in various different countries, I've traveled around the world, I've worked with deaf women, I've got friends who are trans women, I've got friends who are older women, younger women, girls. It doesn't seem to matter. Where two or more women are gathered, (laughs) there will be a coaching session. Someone will organically bring a problem, it could be a problem about career, sex, finance, dating, relationships, friendship and the others will spring into a delighted coaching coven. (laughs) It's a genuine thrill for us. And if you are, I'm guessing, a straight cis man, you don't experience this at the same level I have heard. I've done quite a lot of research, anecdotal to be fair, but I have done a lot of (laughs) anecdotal research and I know it's not quite the same. So I'll explain it to you. What's your name there, sir, in the second row? Yes? Chris, uh, do you often find yourself in an accidental coaching circle? I wish I did. Okay, so Chris, I'm going to explain how wonderful it is. Don't feel sorry for him. He's a white man. He's fine. He sat in the second row. He's fine. He's at a podcast getting attention from a beautiful woman. What more does he want? Are you enjoying this, Chris, or would you rather I moved on to some other Chris? what's your are you also a chris a ryan why is he pointing at you oh ryan's his fiance okay so you're gay and you still don't really have the coaching circle it's more of my gay friends have it than my straight male friends have it i've not found the right girlfriends oh i know i meant with men no, no, gay men aren't doing coaching circles? Okay, I'm bringing it in. I'm starting up a course. Um, the coaching circle basically goes like this. Someone will bring a problem, for example. I don't know, I'm seeing this guy. And he's, like, really into it and seems so attentive. And then for a couple of weeks, and then for two weeks, he'll go really quiet and he'll just say he's busy with work and he'll hardly respond. Then suddenly he'll pop up again and he'll be really into it again, and it just goes hot and cold, and I don't know what to do. And the coaching begins always with a series of questions. It's like women are trained therapists. We just intuitively understand the therapeutic process. We don't need to go through the course. Questions and listening first. Where did you meet him? Tinder. Mmm... Has he introduced you to any of his friends? No, mm. Can I see a picture of him? Mm. Do you have any voicemails I can listen to? Now, some of this does veer into private detective work. All women also are slightly private detectives, I believe. Or well, almost all women. A lot of women are private detectives. Just give me a mmm if as a woman you have a streak of the private detective in you great. Just give me an, as a woman, if you have no desire for private detective moments. Just two women. Just two women. There are 2,000 people in this audience. So then, phase two, after we've done the questions and the listening, we then share anecdotes from our own experience, and we do not impose the conclusions on the one seeking the therapy, We merely leave them there on the table for her to draw her own conclusions. Well, I was dating a man once who would go between super hot and then kind of ghosting me, and it turned out he had a second family in Stoke-on-Trent. And a third one in Glasgow. Well, I was dating a woman, and she had this hot and cold thing, and now we're married. And it turned out she was just somebody who was very frightened of commitment. You know, it's possible she did have another girlfriend looking back. Um, So we put these things on the table. And then we allow the person seeking therapy to draw her own conclusions. She comes up with some feelings, some sense, some intuitive feelings of how she's feeling. And then we get into the part where we offer solutions. And generally there's a variety on the table. A smorgasbord of solutions for her to choose from, as is right and proper. So someone will say, block him, block his number. <laughs> it is toxic, you are too good for this. He is gaslighting you. Suddenly you feel all important, then you feel unimportant. What's it like gonna be in a long-term relationship with him? Why would you even put up with this? You are worth so much more. <laughs> and then uh, some people are, appla- And the people who are about to applaud that and are cheering are the ones who would give that advice. <laughs> Some, there's always someone who puts on the table uh, the suggestion of let's together create and write a passive aggressive ultimatum. (laughs) And we'll send it together now on WhatsApp and wait for the response in real time. Just give us a cheer if that's the one you'd go for. So much more exciting than blocking a number. I mean, why be aggressive aggressive when you can be passive aggressive? It's so much more fun. And there's always one who'll say, I'm gonna go into his work dressed up like a sandwich delivery person and find out exactly what's going on with him. And that's the one I prefer, because it probably involves a wig, some kind of cosplay. I'm there, but I'm one of the private, I'm with Chris and Ryan, I'm in the private detective crew. Chris and Ryan, which one are you going for? Sandwiches, yeah. We wanna know, we wanna know what's going on with that guy. And then, of course, there's the follow-up session, scheduled. We will schedule at the end of the lunch. Well, when are we going to get together and find out what happened? We have to form a WhatsApp group, probably schedule another lunch. We need to know, right? You need to know. I don't want that ever left hanging. It's like watching like half of Breaking Bad or something. I am going to need to know what happens next. And that's just our normal. That's just absolutely regular for us. I've virtually never had it happen that we've gone for lunch and no one's presented a problem and there have been no solutions suggested. (laughs) And I kind of know that men don't do this, not because I've asked them, which I have. And I do talk mostly about cis straight men here, but also I don't want to exclude Chris and Ryan because you've said you also don't have the benefit of this. And I know this partly because men go off For hours. And I do think, I'm not one of these Steven Pinker people who goes, oh, let's always look for an evolutionary biological reason for why this might be a trend. But I do think on this occasion it's something to do with hunting because men used to go off on the savannah in ones or twos. And if they went off in twos, they didn't talk much. And we know that from hunter gatherer societies even today, they just make hand gestures because chatty hunters are dead hunters. (laughs) And that is why. A husband or a boyfriend of someone here in the audience can go off and play golf with their best friend for seven hours and come back and you can go, how's John? Yeah, good. How's the divorce? Oh, it didn't come up. (laughs) Divorce didn't come up.
4: <laughs> Meanwhile,
0: you've had coffee with Sardia. Inside 25 minutes, you've found out the exact state of the relationship, whether there's any hope of reconciliation, how the children feel about it, and whether anyone else has moved on to a sexual relation with anyone else.
4: <laughs>
0: it didn't come up. It didn't come up. It didn't come up. I don't... But they're in the middle of it. I'm telling you this. My husband, I'm going to name him Tom Selinski.
4: <laughs>
0: he has no interest in gossip at all, to a point where it is offensive. <laughs> I mean, I tell him something that I'm like, I mean, what do you think? And why do you think? And why would he will honestly say if like a friend of ours, are like a couple or something breaking up, and I'll say, you know, they've been married for six years. Like, why do you think they're breaking up? And he'll be like, well. I'm sure they've got their reasons. <laughs> yes. They evidently do. We must discuss them. And try and work them out. It's like and he says he says things like I'm sure if they want us to know they'll tell us. <laughs> it's just rude. <laughs> But I also know the lack of coaching circle, because he went off to a poker game, Tom loves poker, and he went off to a poker game with some guys, friends of friends, and they had had this long running poker game, and they even had a leaderboard that they would get out for poker night that said who was, you know, who'd won the most pots or something. And he said, oh, on the leaderboard, there was a name, and it was an unusual name, and I think it's the man who married my drama coach from when I was at drama camp years ago, I think he must go to that poker game. And I said, and was it him? And he went, what do you mean? And I said, did the other guys, did you, you said to the other guys, is he married to so-and-so? And And he went, oh yeah, they didn't know. And I went, well, they didn't know the name of his partner. He said, they didn't know if he had a partner. (laughs) They didn't know if he was married in a relationship or single. They didn't. I said, how long have they been playing poker together? And he said, a few years. <laughs> Three years, these people have had a weekly poker game where they all sit around together for hours. They don't know if this man lives under a bridge <laughs> in a one-bed flat with 45 Dalmatians. <laughs> is polyamorous, has a, is gay, straight, bi, they don't know anything about him. <laughs> I do think wherever you are women, could you this week or this month just gather some men together the way you gather women together and ask them questions until they break. <laughs> Your first wonderful startup up comedian. Yeah. She is an incredible comic. We've never had her on The Guilty Feminist before, so I'm so excited, because she's genuinely one of my favorite start-up comedians working in the UK today. You may know her from Celebs Go Dating, or Mock the Week, or the sitcom Damned. But tonight she is here with us at the Guilty Feminist. Put your hands together and make extraordinary welcoming International Women's Day Week noises for the wonderful London
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hughes!
2: Hi! You look all right? (laughs) Wicked, first things first. Do I look all right? Yes. Yeah. That's good. I'm a feminist, but every day's an opportunity to catch a dick in it. <laughs> so you know, just making sure you know, got the angles. There's a lot of you motherfuckers in here. Do you know what I mean, someone might be worthy of me sitting on their face. Do you know what I mean? So I'm scanning. I'm scanning. You look what? I'm three silver foxes in the audience, okay, 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 hi, I'm London Hughes, I'm really funny, um, I'm so hilarious, I'm so hilarious, um, I'm living my best life, I do like catching dicks, but I don't try, do you know some girls go out of their way and try, like I don't need to try, I'm perfect innit, I don't need to try, I don't need to better myself in any way, because I'm awesome, do you know what I mean, but, Like, I'll fall slip, and land on a dick, but I'm not going to fight for the dick. Do you know what I mean? Like... (laughs) You take the dick. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) There's dick everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm very good-looking. I'm aware. Do you know what I mean? Like, some girls try and better themselves for men, like... like by exercising that. I don't exercise, because I don't like outside. (laughs) I'm very much an indoor person. You know what I mean? I tried doing one of them workout DVDs. You know the Davina workout DVDs? I tried to do one of them, but after 10 minutes, I sat down and watched it like a film.
4: <laughs>
2: Might as well have been Avatar. That was some fantasy shit. I weren't going to do that. Good for you, Davina. I ain't doing that shit. I'm too awesome. Nah. No. Fuck that. And like, I'm at the time in my life where a lot of my friends are all coupled up and all smug and like, in relationships and love each other and stuff. It makes me feel sick in my mouth. <laughs> and I like it. I'm bitter. And I'm better. <laughs> I like it. I don't like it. Because I'm 30 this year and when my friends come up to me and they're like, I'm pregnant. I'm that chick that's like, ooh, should we go clinic? <laughs> we, could, we could go clinic. We could go clinic. We'll sort it. Clinic. Clinic. Take the pill. Take the pill." They're like, no, we planned this. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's even scarier for me. For Halloween, I dressed up as a pregnancy. Like, I'm not... That shit's fucking scary. Every day I get my period, I do a dance. <laughs> no more responsibilities. <laughs> I love it, man. I love, no, I can't have kids, man. I respect myself too much as a person. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> kids are shit. Kids fuck up your life. You say they're a blessing. They are a fucking blessing. They're shit. Ain't got no banter. <laughs> Kid chat shit. Oh, I drew a fly. Fuck off, bro.
4: <laughs> Give a fuck about
2: your fly. Uh, uh, like, shut up. What are you doing? Go away. Kids are shit. Don't you, you act like they're good, but they're shit, man. No, can, what, what? It walked. Oh, amazing. It walked i fucking walk and talk, and I can do the splits and suck good dick, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Let me know when your kid can do that. <laughs> kids are shit, man. Kids are shit. No, oh, they'll fuck up your life. They will. They'll fuck up your life. Like, even my mum. My mum had kids. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? My mum had kids. It fucked up her life. Honestly, my mum was 18 when she had her first child. She was a runner in the Commonwealth Games, yeah? They in it, in it, I said yes, I said yes. But here this fuckery, right, she fell pregnant while she was doing the Olympic trials. Not with me, I'm a blessing, with my brother. <laughs> with my older brother, Alex, she fell pregnant with him, quit running, became a nurse, never ran again. My brother, Alex, grew up to be a security guard. <laughs> Imagine giving up your whole life, your whole running career. Security guard! Give <laughs> uh, <his> the <a> shit! Give <laughs> like, the fucking shit, man! Pissed off for her, man! <laughs> fucking security guard! And it's like me, like, imagine me quitting comedy now, at the height of my career when I'm gonna be the next female Lenny Henry, right? Oh. Come on! Come on! It's factual, it's factual. I'm on route. It's factual. Imagine doing all that to have a kid and get nasty, big, veiny tits and cramps and shit and swollen up feet to push out this fetus, push out the fetus for it to grow up and become a YouTuber. Fuck that. <laughs> nah. Not London Hughes. Got too much to live for. Kids are shit. Kids are fucking shit. As you can tell, I'm single in it. <laughs> I make that so clear. <laughs> now I'm single, I'm single. But I'm happy being single, you know? Like, I'm a queen, I'm successful, but I'm lonely. <laughs> like, you ever find yourself being so lonely that like, you reply to those PPI text messages? <laughs> like, you could win £3,000, yeah, but what are you up to tonight? <laughs> like, are you free? <laughs> like, I'm lonely, but I'm not desperate. You know, some of my friends, are, you, we've all got them desperate friends, innit? That do too much. You're doing too much. Now like my friend Michelle, she only dates fat guys, so she knows there's going to be food in the fridge. Do you know what I mean? Don't be Michelle. Yeah, it's a tip. Don't be Michelle. She's desperate. She's desperate. I don't need all that. Like, I'm cool with myself. I'm cool with my awesomeness. Thank you. I don't need to be desperate for the dick, OK? I catch too much. I'll tell you a fun catching dick story. Listen to this, right? So I was at a club, and like, why is it that when you're single, your friends are like, don't worry, go to a club, you'll meet a nice guy in a club. <laughs> in a club, you've got more chance of finding a black girl on Love Island. <laughs> Relatable. One. One black girl. But Samira, big up Samira. But yeah, I literally go clubbing, looking for dick, yeah? and this is a true story, and it's so embarrassing, but because we're all friends here, and I ain't got no shame, I feel like telling you what happened, you don't want to hear my story. <laughs> I know you do. It's well juicy and so true. So listen to this. I'm in a club, yeah? Living my best life. And I'm dancing and doing my thing, right? And then all of a sudden, I see this fit-ass guy, yeah? And you know when you're just... The, the, the womb swirls up because the juice... I don't really know science, but the juice is filling up the womb. <laughs> isn't it? The love juice, isn't it? So it's ready to squeeze it like a sponge out. Because it fills up. That's what happens, isn't it? Science. It's science. <laughs> and so my womb got filled up with the love juice. <laughs> By looking at this dude is very sexy. Do you know what I mean? And let's be clear, like, I know we're all, all LGBTQ fan here, but I'm strictly dickly, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't eat the furry biscuit, just throwing that out there. I would get it munched, but I would not receive, I wouldn't do it, I would just... Anyway, back to the... Do you know what I mean? It's 2019, <laughs> we're all freaks. Anyway, so, I mean, look at his fit, like, my, my womb juice is swelling up, yeah, I'm ready to fuck, I'm down, <laughs> right? And the thing about me is, because I'm such an amazing dancer, because I'm black, like, I am... Um, it's <laughs> true, it's a stereotype, but it's a true one. Black people, we have stereotypes, but these are the ones you can say. We can dance, we can't swim, we don't ski. That's about it. <laughs> the only ones... The only ones you can say about us, that's it. I that will get you off scot-free. But anyway, so I'm there like, OK, cool. I'm going to get this guy's attention. I'm going to start peacocking. So I started doing extreme body popping. So I was like... Now, this is a podcast, so they can't tell the awesomeness of what the extremity that I'm doing. So, when I do it, I want you all to go crazy, like we're watching me on Britain's Got Talent or something. Three, two,
4: one. Too Too much, too much. I
2: didn't win Britain's Got Talent. Too much, too much. Too much. Thank you, thank you. So, I started doing that, right? So, he like. Looked over to me, I don't know if he thought I was having Tourette's or just spasming or whatever. Like, but he was interested, right? So he came over to me and we had this instant, instant chemistry. And I was like, I'm going to fuck you so hard. And you know when you're aware of how well you are at sucking dick, in it, And it's like a present for the guy, it's a present. You know when you're looking forward to sucking dick? Ladies, don't chat shit. <laughs> you know when you're so good at looking forward to the dick sucking, they're going to have a great time. Is it just me? You know what, cause I'm really good, they call me the seagull. <laughs> seagull. That's what they call me. That's what they call me, the seagull. So I was looking forward to giving him the seagull. Right, I was very happy about <laughs> on his, um... <laughs> very looking, looking forward to that, right, uh-huh. so I couldn't wait to take him home, so I go back now to his place, easy, I'm easy, right through the door, pow, of his house, yeah, <laughs> ready to see him, right, and I'm looking around, and I realise that he lives with his parents, oh. I know, and it's like, my womb juice just went all, like, ugh. it all went small again, like, it just went, oh, evaporated in the nani, I was like, I can't, I'm not sure if I can fuck him. And I'm walking around, looking at his mum and dad's house like, okay, right, at least they got money though, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Rich parents, there might be a will, do you know what I mean? Let me just, <laughs> let me stick this one out. So he goes upstairs to tidy his room like he's fucking in it, like he's fucking 12. So he runs upstairs like, oh my God, I'm going to just tidy my room. He goes upstairs, and um, he's white, I don't know if you can tell by the accent. And he goes upstairs... <laughs> I do like, I've got this thing for really, really average looking white guys. They are my kryptonite. <laughs> oh, I love them. I catch them like Pokemon. Gotcha, Brian. Uh, gotcha. The average, basic looking white guy, the better. I love him. So anyway... So he goes outside his room, True to he goes outside his room, and I'm walking around the house being nosy, right? And like by his room, he's got this massive bookshelf with all the books that he's reading, like how learned he is, motherfucker. And I'm like, okay, you're learned, you're learned, you're learning. Then I find a book that I have, and I was like, oh my god, we've got the same book. And this book was a Tina Fey book, right? Bossy Pants, yeah? That's a wicked book. And for a guy to have that book, as a female comedian, for a guy to have that book, I was like, my womb juice is expanding. I was like, this is great. So I pick up the book, like, oh my God, he's got this book. And then I remembered, I had that book too, but I left it somewhere. I was like, where did I leave that book? When was the last time London Hughes had that book? I was like, no, I had it at a guy's house. Did I leave it at a guy's house? And while I'm thinking this, I open the book, and on the first page of the book, I put my initials LH because book crime is real right <laughs> and I initial every book I have and there were my initials in the book <laughs> so I was like oh my god what how is my book at this oh my god I fucked him before <laughs> so I was gonna double fuck him I'd already been to his house fucked him and left the book and that's where I left the book so I'm I'm freaking out, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, how many men in Tinder do you have to go through before you're doubling up, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm feeling like I brought shame on my family, I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, I'm about to double fuck this dickhead. He comes out, because I'm screaming. <laughs> He's like, what's the matter, what's the matter? I'm like, you're a dickhead, bruv. You're about to double fuck me, my book's in your house, we've had sex before, and he says, I thought you knew. (laughs) I thought we were doing this kinky role-play thing where we pretended we were strangers. (laughs) He knew exactly who I was. I was a whore that forgot. (laughs) Let's just say I got my book back and I didn't fuck him again. (laughs) I did sit on his face because I'm a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) True story. That happened. And the thing about me is I'll own it. Do you know what I mean? I own my openness. I will double fuck you if I want to. I could, but that traumatised me. And it's only because when I'm in a club, I feel so vulnerable because I know how I would approach a guy. I'm very forward. If I fancy you, I'm like, I fancy you, I want to fuck you. You're coming with me. That's how I've got all my boyfriends in the past. I've gone, I want you. I want you. And they can't resist me because I look like Beyonce. So here's... (laughs) So when a guy, like, approaches me and shows me interest, it's weird. So I get chat-up lines all the time. And my name is London. That's my real name. My parents weren't that creative, right? <coughs> and so guys always make chat-up lines about my name, and I've, like, written down the best three, and I will tell you them. Chat-up line number three. In third place, we have London. What's your last name? England. <laughs> shit, <isn't> it? <laughs> You'd be surprised about how basic white guys use that one on me, guys. The second one... Bit better. I want to spend one night in London. So I mean, doable, doable, doable. It's alright, it's doable. If you're drunk enough, doable. My favourite one is. I said to me, London. Let me see your Shepherd's Bush. Oh. I gave him a goodbye blurry for that one. Thank you guys. I've been loving you. You've been great. You are know, great, man. Pick up yourselves on International Women's Day.
0: The magnificent London Hughes, everybody. Joining me on the sofa is the wonderful Kima Bob. And our guests are the exceptional Kara Sofoku and the magnificent Gina Bartos. Hello, hello, hello. So, Karis Afoko, if you don't know, is the executive director and co-founder of Level Up, a community for feminists who want to work together to end sexism. Is that any of you? (laughs) Karis joined Level Up from some of us where she was global communications director. She has got an incredible... CV, and she is a trustee of the End Violence Against Women Coalition. <laughs> Gina Martin uh, made upskirting a sexual offence in England and Wales. That's the practice of someone taking a photo inside someone else's clothes without the consent. It was after a personal experience which gave her a political drive, and her book, Be the Change, will be published in summer 2019. She just won a quality champion of the year at the Stylist Remarkable Women Awards. And Kima Bob, you know, is a phenomenal comedian and a regular here at the Guilty Feminist.
3: So, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've done um, cool stuff for the community. <laughs>
0: I know, it's intimidating. It's but out of control. Where inspiring. do you find these
3: people? Like, what, what is this? <laughs> Look, you're wearing a Choose Love t shirt. What more do people want from you? Exactly. And the, I'm blazing, I'm blazed today.
0: Yeah, if you're listening at home, uh, Kima yeah. is wearing a blazer, and that's I'm what she is.
3: Blazed AF.
0: She's wearing a pink blazer, she's putting it all out there. That outfit's changing the world, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, So Karis, hello. Hello. Gina, hello. Hello. Uh, Karis, first of all, tell us what is Level Up doing at the moment?
5: What aren't we doing? Well, Um, some of you might be involved in our Facebook campaign. Anyone? No cheers. Um, so we're currently, so we're ta- we're currently um, targeting Facebook for not doing enough to listen to women. They're spending too much time listening to algorithms and not enough time listening to women who are being harassed on the platform. So we've just published research that found 57% of young women and one in three of all women, 40% of women of colour in the UK have been harassed on Facebook. So that's stalking, gross unwanted dick pics, Persistent ex-boyfriends, one of our members, Victoria, we took her to meet Facebook this month, had a police report and a domestic violence charity caseworker, and Facebook still wouldn't stop her creepy ex-boyfriend from harassing her. Uh, So that's one of the things we're working on. I'm going
0: to put it out there that I think 40% sounds low, Mm. (laughs) because I don't know any women who haven't had some kind of Mm. aggressive message I mean, perhaps there are some, but I would think it's higher than 40%.
4: Yeah,
5: and I think one of the things is we were really specific about the behaviour, but we know that this is the tip of the iceberg. And I think, I'm Because some women
0: won't want to say as well. Yeah,
5: and using a word like harassment, just like using a word like abuse or assault, feels quite loaded. And I mean... I know that often it's hard to admit. You don't want to see yourself as a victim. And one of the things we find in our community is until you can identify as a victim, it's hard to identify as a survivor. So I think it's worth saying that these are people willing to say that they're being harassed. And um, Yeah, we know that it's probably a lot higher.
0: And I think also, you know, if somebody says to you, even on an anonymous survey, have you been harassed by an ex? Mm. You might think, I don't want my current partner to know that, or I'm, I'm like kind of in denial about that, or... He loves me, really. He's just got problems, you know, that kind of thing. So you might not want to put that down on a form.
5: Yeah, and I think we've all had a friend who's described a situation and been like, "Oh, but you know, he's he's having a tough time. He's stressed at work. He has mental health problems." And you're like, oh, he's a dick." Can I say? Can I say <laughs> that on the oh, podcast? Man. Um, but both. both yeah, and both, or both and both, both can, can be true. true. Red yeah.
3: flags much easier to see when you've already gone past him. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like stuff is so complicated and it's really great that you're doing this work. Like thank you, man. The internet is scary. Well, thanks
5: to all of our members. We have 50 you can join up www.welevelup.org. We have 50,000 members, amazing feminists of all genders from across the UK. We only launched a year ago. Anyone can join, follow us on Instagram, sign up by email and we win campaigns. So to connect to the Facebook issue, we're just about, I just checked with my colleague if we can announce this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, We're changing the rules on how domestic violence deaths are reported. So Ipso, the media regulator, are going to adopt new guidelines. I don't know if any of you read the newspapers, but two women in the UK are killed every week by a current or former partner. So we lose two women every week. At the moment, those crimes, those murders, are reported as crimes of passion, partly just because of lazy court reporting. So you get to hear the guy who killed his partner's story, but you don't actually get to hear the woman's story. So our campaign, Dignity for Dead Women, is about introducing guidelines on how journalists report on women who are killed. So no more amazing hubby... (laughs) check out on the website, the thing I want to say is it's a campaign that's been spearheaded by our amazing staff but also it's been spearheaded by male survivors of domestic violence so Luke and Ryan Hart, two amazing brothers and honestly much better feminists than me, very hardcore whose mum was killed by their dad and they had to read headlines about what a great dad he was. Um, yeah, so that's a campaign that we've just won. So join us, we win campaigns.
3: Yeah. Woo!
0: Speaking of people who win campaigns, yeah. Gina Martin. Hey. 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 Now, last time you came on the show, probably around a year ago, yeah. and you came on to talk about your upskirt campaign, but at that point you didn't know how long it was going to take. I was so exciting, you We be- didn't know if
6: it would happen. I know. Yeah. And I can know. you tell
0: us the conclusion
6: to this exciting story? Oh, yes. I, get, I love getting to say this out loud, it makes it real. Yeah, so that was a year ago, I guess, and you guys were the kind of first people that gave it like a real platform and really like activated young women to really get behind it. And two weeks ago, we passed the law, so it's now going to be a sexual offence in England and Wales. Yeah. it become official law when when is it so it has happened? been made official law. so the queen signed it off the queen has signed it now yeah it took her a bit of a while she couldn't find a pen she couldn't find a <laughs> pen <laughs> one of the ladies at the ministry of justice said to me it might take a while because it's kind of when she finds a pen which i can't believe is how it works um, what? yeah the queen sorry i'm really <laughs> that's what I, said. I need more
0: information on this so the we'll queen do. had to sign it off yes you went in the room when her majesty i wasn't got no. a pen but they said, oh, she's often
6: forgetful with pens. Yeah, she, I think it's just kind of up to her when she does it. And I it's like kind of when think, she defines the time and finds a pen. Oh, yes. and maybe
3: there's like an Easter egg style thing going on in her home and there are just pins around. Yes. And whenever she finds them, we get Jesus. to see a change being made. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a royal game. Yeah, sounds um, great. No, I think
0: I know what they mean because I've watched a lot of The Crown, so I really <laughs> do know how it <laughs>
4: And...
3: But no. Monarchies, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, it's better than Trump. Uh, oh, well, hey, hey, That's not, I'm not pointing any
0: fingers. <laughs> so the Queen had to find a pen, and she did find a pen. She did. Well yeah. done,
6: Her Majesty. Mm-hmm. And she signed it. She did. And so is it today illegal to do this? So two weeks ago she signed it, and it's... From the moment she signed it, it's now enacted into law as an act. So now we have the Voyeurism Act, which in English and Welsh law is enacted and that will go all the way through police constabularies for the next two months. And within around two months, it will be all over the UK and it will be usable and all the police will be trained and we'll be able to deal with it properly. And hopefully, what happened to me won't be happening to other people again. So the police now get training yes, because there's a new piece of
0: legislation, so exactly. they have to know what that is. Exactly. Well, that's interesting, I hadn't thought of that. I
6: know, neither but- did I until they told me. I mean, that's been the last two years of my life, is I don't really know until someone tells me and then I'll work it out. Um, but yeah, yeah, so it's, they're doing all the training now and I've done training videos with the police and been very, some would say probably too involved, actually, um, in trying to help them understand it. Um, and yeah, now it's done. So it's wow, so exciting. Wow, that's yeah. really, really exciting. Yeah. Congratulations.
4: Congratulations.
0: Um, and I'm really excited about your book, be the change because you're writing from the perspective of somebody who wasn't somebody who felt they were a political person who was going to go out and change legislation and you just did it from scratch learn as you went yes
6: yeah exactly I have no kind of law background no political background just art I mean I scraped by in school academically like by the skin of my teeth anyway and I think that's the whole point of what I've done is the law change is incredibly important but also just realising that, like, any background, working class, any person can actually force change if you just get the right support and you do the right things and you know not to stop. So the book is kind of going through everything I did. I I Googled how to change the law when I started. Like, that's how I started the campaign, was Googling Nothing came up, obviously. Um, And so I had to work it out. What, did Google just go we can't it help you it literally people. was like <laughs> get a lawyer and I was like oh yeah that's good <laughs> <laughs> it said get a lawyer yeah. and then you
0: did lawyer. but most people would think well I can't afford a lawyer enough yes. to change legislation
6: yes yeah. so that's what I thought I, you see movies and it's like you know it's very expensive to get a lawyer I did loads of research and found out that you can get law support pro bono so if you have public interest in a case then law firms will take your case on for free for free yeah, and I met Ryan Wheeler, my lawyer, who is now one of my closest friends, and he decided to take it on for free. So it's all these things that no one really tells you, and you mm. have to work out by doing it, and that's the book is just full of literally how I did all of it, just so someone else can do it too.
0: And was there a part of you that thought, I'm too young because you're still in your 20s, yeah. I'm not from their world, I'm not someone who sweeps into the House of Commons yeah. with the big intimidating rooms, I don't have a lawyer... I'm not going to be able to afford a lawyer. So you had to get past all of those barriers in your head and just keep going one step at a time. How would I get over those
6: things? Yeah, that big time. Every stage of that is kind of, uh, you know, all-consuming and terrifying. I mean, even when you walk into the House of Parliament, they have a massive corridor that you have to walk through. And... Every inch of the wall is just taken up by photos and paintings of just like seventy-year-old men in suits. So immediately you're just like, mm, oh, like I'm not take. meant to be here. Then mm. you know it's really difficult, but that's why there Ryan was, was such so a few
0: pictures of women in pink stilettos, <laughs> <I know. laughs> which is what you're wearing. Yeah, it's Swashing true though, the That's representation, but the thing is now you become the representation for lots of people who may feel, well, I'm not a seventy-year-old white man in a suit. Who may go. Oh, well, if Gina did it. <laughs>
6: yeah. And, I mean, I hope I can do that. And also, I mean, I'm also a young white woman, so I'm kind of a second down from the people who feel comfortable in those scenarios. So mm. I can't imagine what it would be like to go in. Like, Nim Carly is a good friend of mine who's an FGM campaigner. And she said today, she said, you know, I'm a refugee, I'm a black woman, and I walk in there and I speak at them, and I get this idea that people in power structures look at me and go, okay, well, if I help her, then I'm going to have to help everyone. If this woman can come in and change things, we are going to have to help everyone. And that's kind mm. of the stuff we're dealing with at the moment So Hopefully I can go somewhere in helping people realise that that they can go in and force change. Because you just don't stop, you just force it. That's why it's called forcing change. Mm. Do you ever get that feeling, Karis, that they think, oh, well, if we help Karis,
0: we're going to have to help everyone?
5: Oh, I mean, I don't experience many people trying to help me.
0: Um, The
5: Level Up inbox is full of very strident men who've got views on how we can run feminist campaigns better. Um, Mm. No, well, I mean, I think I definitely, um, I worked in Parliament for a year, worst year of my life, um, and I felt like almost like I was coming out in a rash when I was there, and it's just... The wood panels and the sort of kind of Harry Potter vibes, but yes. like not good, like, like Slytherin, like Slytherin, Slytherin, Slytherin Harry Potter vibes. <laughs> and um, and I, you know, I grew up in Brixton, and you're from South London here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in social housing. I didn't grow up in a world like that, and I constantly felt out of place. And I think the thing that I've learned to do is well, rely on sisterhood. So things like the Guilty Feminist and other women have been really great in giving me a leg up, but also just not waiting for permission or for people to, you know, give you help, just being like, I'm here, Mm. you feel uncomfortable about it, I feel slightly uncomfortable about it, but here we go. I
6: love that so much,
0: That's so true. I get the feeling from you, Kima, that partly Mm. because you're from America, you don't have a great read on (laughs) what... Stuff is? No, like on... (laughs) In a good way, in a good way, because uh, I felt like this when I first came here, you're not quite sure which doors you're allowed through, so you just sort of barrel up to doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, it mm. helps because you're kind of assuming inclusion, and the more you yeah. know about
3: the places where you wouldn't be allowed, oh, the more totally. you approach the door totally. as if I'm not going to get in. I love it. I really don't know what's happening. I don't know what's a big deal, what's a little deal. What's a guilty feminist? Who is a Barbican? <laughs> You know, <laughs> I just get to show up and show out. Yeah, that's, that must be so, like, I can't even imagine the kind of mm it takes to have been a part of this system, a part of this, like, government uh, your entire life, and then to go up against it? What badasses? That's uh, <laughs> I agree.
0: So... Gina, I think we all want to know what next for you, because you've done this now, and this has become so much a huge part of your life. You've sort of taken over your life. What are you going to do next?
6: After the book comes out, I'm... It's very hard. I've only just finished this one, so I'm like, oh, shit, I've got two nails now. And that's what we we'll gonna do for the rest <laughs> of my life, because I love it. But I am starting the second part of the campaign, which is education, so I'm partnering with big music brands to make festivals and venues safer for people, Um, and then I really want to do something about online abuse, because the amount I've received over the past few years is just unbelievable, Mm. and Mm. I'm, again, a white woman, Um, so I really want to do a campaign with the social platforms for them to take more accountability and more responsibility, and you know, it's a microcosm of society, social media, where they just put it on the victim to report, and it's all up to us to kind of show them what the problem is instead of them being active. So I really want to do a campaign on that as well. Yeah. Great. And we'll work together we're going to yeah. do it we're going to work
0: together on that it seems like Caris, you have a similar mission now with uh, trolling and harassment and that kind of thing so that could be something you could team yes, up on we've yeah, already been talking
6: gonna... backstage over wine about it we've so been we're scheming we're scheming great <coughs>
0: just, just tonight just tonight You've
7: yeah, yeah, we, just, yeah. we, we met tonight this, this is the magic That's of the, the guilty feminist thing yeah. ever this is what we do
3: <laughs> Um,
7: thing
3: ever. I just want to say, also, as important, we were all also talking about how difficult it is to trust uh, really good-looking men. <laughs> um, so it's just kind of... I really appreciate this space because you can tackle, you know, the big, hard issues. Um, and the big, hard <laughs> issues. So how can we
0: help Karis and Gina... Because just give us an m mm here if you feel like online abuse and trolling and those co- is a concern for you as a woman. <laughs> give us an mmm if it's something that concerns you personally. Mm. And an mm if it's something you would like to address as a community of feminists. Mm. Okay, so we need to know how we can help. What is it that we can do? Guilty feminists, we love to help. We want to get involved. What can we do? Okay, I'll
5: go first, and then we'll launch our joint thing next. Um, So we've got a petition on our website, www.welevelup.org. Sign the petition, but also we're going to go and meet Facebook. We were in the newspapers recently, so I think they're going to take the meeting, and we're looking for people to come along to the meetings and share their stories. I think it's also there's the work of just being honest with yourself about this stuff and not feeling ashamed. It's definitely something that I've had to do and the rest of the team have had to do, but sign the petition is the first step, and donate if you can.
6: Oh, yes. I think we have a big thing online and in life where we aren't active bystanders enough, so you might only report a comment if it's to you. I think we should be all calling out stuff continually every day when we see it. If we can, it's one click, it's two clicks. So be more of an active bystander. And also, just personally, not even how to help me, but just go out and just force change. Go and shout at people, hold people accountable. Go and do that, because you can all do that. Okay, great. And could you just tell us a little bit about what we'll expect to read in your book when we definitely buy it? I wonder what I can say. I haven't actually talked to my publishers about this, so I don't feel nervous. Well, we'll Um, say it
0: to us, and if your publishers say no, we can always cut it out of the podcast, and these guys
6: won't tell anyone. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, I feel confident about that. Okay, so there is everything from how to uh, write a press release, how to become invaluable to politicians. It's for every level, so it can be in your school, you want to change, just for your community. I talk about how to use social media for a campaign, I worked advertising for a long time. How to use your privilege in activism, how to handle high-pressure meetings, how to deal with failures. That, that's... Full of practical advice and also emotional advice. So it's from the beginning of a campaign to the end and also the general themes that get you into activism to get your confidence up to start it as well. Great. And so it's useful for anyone, even
0: if you don't have time to perhaps change a major law or confidence or energy or any of those things. You know, if you've got two jobs and 12 children and all of those things, it's still going to be a useful book because it just gives you motivation to be the change you want to see in the world in small ways as well as large. Exactly.
6: Even down to just consumer spending how you spend your money. You know, every pound's a vote. It's from bottom up. It's every level.
0: Great. Okay. And do you need money, Karis? We need money. Okay. So, <laughs> so Level Up, is there a place where we can donate to Level Up? You can donate on our website. There's a
5: button in the right-hand corner. We're one-third crowdfunded. Right now, our rent is being paid because 90 people have set up direct debits. So anything you can afford oh. helps. Wow. Yeah, we've so, moved into a new office thanks to people setting up direct debits.
0: So this is Karis's full-time job. She's trying to make the world a better place for all of us. So if you had like a pound a month or something like that, that you could just donate to Level Up that you wouldn't notice, give four pounds less a month to Starbucks and yes. give that to Level Up. Because Thank what the you. fuck we are really they doing?
3: It. They don't pay the taxes. <laughs> <you>. And that, <laughs> not letting black people in bathrooms.
6: <laughs> and Gina, your book will be out. Is it on pre-order yet? Yes, it's on pre-order now, and you can get it June 13th. Great. So pre-order it from
0: Waterstones or some other independent bookshop, if possible, and Amazon if you're really lazy. Um, uh, But do remember, they don't pay their tax when you do that. Just think to yourself, I'm doing this for my own reasons, but then you have to donate. If you pre-order it off Amazon, you have to donate to Level Up. You have to. Yes. (laughs) Offset it. All right. I feel like we are inspired to change the world uh, from these two remarkable women. Congratulations so much on the Stylist Award. And Karis, I will be using all my influence at Stylist to make sure you get one next year. Um, (laughs) It's not corrupt. It's not corrupt. I have no power whatsoever. Um, but a little bit of influence, and I'll be using all of that. Um, (laughs) All right, so thank you so much, Karis. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you so much, Kima. Everybody, Karis Afoku! (laughs) Gina Martin! (laughs) We have an incredible singer. Who is also the host and founder of the Cocoa Butter Club, which she describes as a platform to showcase and celebrate performers of colour. Please put your hands together and give a big guilty feminist international Women's Day welcome to the wonderful Sadie Sinner!
4: you awesome. lost
0: Deborah, just wanted to say thank you to everyone who came on the People's March. It was amazing to march with you. And thank you to everyone who came to the Say My Name premiere. It was so exciting to see you all there. Now, if you missed out, we missed you. But there will be more screenings of the film, each one, including a live Q&A with me. So tonight, the 1st of April, are you in Camden Town or could you get there? 8pm at the Odeon. On the 2nd of April, that's Tuesday, I'll be in Norwich with the film at the Odeon. And on the 7th of April, I'll be at the Birmingham Odeon. And the 16th of April, the Oxford Odeon. For more details and to book, go to guiltyfeminist.com slash say my name, all one word. It would be absolutely amazing to see you there. Come up afterwards and let's have a selfie or I can sign your book or your dog or your arm or whatever you like. And this one's not on sale yet, but save the date, 23rd of April, in your diary now, because we're doing another gala screening at the Odeon Leicester Square Lux. It's going to be another incredible night with a red carpet where you can have your photo taken and some of the stars of the film talking about how we got it made afterwards. The Guilty Feminist is going on tour in May. Now, these shows won't be recorded for the podcast, so you'll have to be there if you want to experience it. Different shows will have different guests, and you can see the full list by going to guiltyfeminist.com. Here's a quick look at the lineups for the first week. On the 1st of May in Halifax, I'll be joined on stage by Sindhu V., Alison Spittle and Kima Bob, with music from Jess Robinson off of the telly. On the second of May in Birmingham, I'll be joined by Jenny Eclair and Sophie Duker, with music from Me for Queen and more comedians to be confirmed. On the third of May in Hull, I'll be joined by Felicity Ward, Sin Duvey, Alison Spittle, and music again will be Me for Queen. On the fourth of May, I'll be in Newcastle with that same lineup of comedians: Felicity Ward, Sindhuvi, and Alison Spittle. But this time, Jess Robinson will be on music. And on the fifth of May, I'll be in Salford at the Lowry with Sindhuvi, Felicity Ward, Katie Mulgrew, and music from Jess Robinson. Some venues are starting to sell out now, so please don't delay if you want a ticket. All the dates and times are at guiltyfeminist.com. These will be really riotous shows. We're going to take the roof off. It will be like being at Feminist Church. Don't miss it. And speaking of Feminist Church, the play Amelia about Elizabethan feminist legend, Amelia Bassano, is still running at the Vaudeville Theatre in London's West End. This is the most amazing production of the most amazing story. It's hilarious all the way through and the final speech will rip your feminist heart out. And there's a special Mothers and Babies matinee on the 24th of April. Let's give it some support and help it get a longer run and a national tour. Lastly, we still desperately need volunteers and donations for Help Refugees in Calais and Dunkirk. Please give whatever you can afford. And if you can spare some time, most crucially, please consider going out as a short, mid or long term volunteer. Check out helprefugees.org and now back to the podcast. Please put your hands together and make extraordinary, wonderful woo hoo noises for the wonderful Kima
4: Bob! Hi,
3: guys! happy International Women's Day! What a great time! Oh, oh! I love being celebrated, and you know what? The world is right, we only need one day. So we deserve. Make the most of it. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I feel like we're in, like, the best place to be on IWD, baby. Woo! Happy International Women's Day to you. And happy belated to all of our homies at home. Yeah. Yeah. A moment of silence for them. Yeah, yeah. Happy belated. How fucking cool is this? Like, leave it to us to... Take a day that's meant to, like, celebrate, empower, and inspire women and use it to hold the most dope, exclusive event of all time. (laughs) Do you read The Guardian? You can celebrate with us. (laughs) What's up? Oh, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. ooh. I'm in here. (laughs) Hey, um, my name is Kima Bob. If you uh, haven't met me, uh, then howdy. Uh, I'm from Texas, which is gross. You're right. (laughs) It's so gross. We're really good at a couple things. Uh, Bigotry, racism, Beyonce. (laughs) That's what we do. Those are our exports. I hate to kick off a bit of shmammity on International Women's Day by being so controversial, but I have to do it. I'm just going to deal with the consequences, okay? I just hope that you guys can hear me out, because I know that this subject is really close to your British hearts. Um, Why the fuck does anyone care what Louis Theroux has to say? (laughs) Who made him an authority? Why is he in charge? Why is he come, don't you boo at me. Uh-uh, uh-uh. That's right, I don't care, I'll say, I'll say the tough stuff. Yeah, why is he mansplaining? Why do we let him do this? Just go into people's lives and ruin their sense of selves. It's like his superpower is using like British politeness and witticisms to trick American people into admitting they're dumb. <laughs> it's so messed up. It's not okay. I don't know. I just don't ever want to meet him. <laughs> it was like, ah, I'm like, Kima, uh, would you say that you love comedy? Yeah, Louis, love it. So happy to be doing it. I'm gonna give it my all. Uh, hmm that's interesting uh, would you say that this low attendance is normal <laughs> at this point in your career uh, Louis I think if you give the audience a chance they'll build <laughs> Uh Kima Would you say that a deep-seated sense of inadequacy has led you to expose yourself to strangers in this way? (laughs) Louie! Leave me alone, man. (laughs) Just trying to do my jokes. (laughs) uh, My last name is Bob, which is uh, not a comedy name. It's a family name, it's a real one. It's a whole gaggle of Bobs. It's bunches of us. We got twins, Brandon and Bradley. Uh, in my sibling group, we're uh, Kima, Colin, and Kamala. We're like the KKK's worst, <laughs> worst nightmares, out of control. Uh, the last name Bob is quite interesting because it's like the whitest first name is my last name. It's very unsettling. Because <laughs> uh, there are only a few ways it could happen. But don't worry, you guys. I'm chill. You know? Why be upset about slavery? The trauma is only in my DNA. It's fine. It's not a big deal. I feel some tension in the room. Mmm. I'm a swim in that. Mmm. Does anyone have a jar backstage? I'd like to save some of this tension for the morning. <laughs> it's amazing. Can I hear a little whoop whoop from the people of color in the room? Woo! Woo! Oh! Oh man, there's some of us in here. I love you, I see you, I'm glad that you are here. Mm. And somehow, not enough of us to absorb all of the awkwardness that was unleashed (laughs) by the word slavery. Does it every time, it's so good. I'm glad there are people of color here. When I perform in front of an all-white audience, I just, it's really confusing. I just, I'm like, is this an auction? It's wild. It's wild times. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell though. It's 2019, 18, 19. Uh, I just don't know. <laughs> uh, so the last name, Bob, is like super cool though, you guys. I'm not tripping on it. Because uh, I like to assume that uh, Master Bob was like a chill guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I like to assume that he would be the kind of dude that would be like, gather around. Uh, he spits a lot because he's chewing tobacco. He's in the South. This is a real guy. And um, He's like, everybody gather round. Now you think you've been working hard. <laughs> well, guess what? Everyone's like, oh, shit. What's about to go down? He's like... I agree! Have the afternoon off! (laughs) Also, I made lemonade! By the way, don't you dare call me Master Roberts! Call me Master Bob! Master Roberts is my father! I don't know. (laughs) Some of you guys are like, Kima, was that... Was that cool, clever, funny enough to be making a joke on slavery? Uh, To which I reply, It's a lot more hilarious than the truth! Okay! (laughs) Amazing! I don't know if you guys have a color wheel or like how you uh, like to see the world, uh, what you think about this hair color. Um, I identify it as LGBTL. Um, I am a queer person. Boo, 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 Oh, having a great time in the world. I identify as pansexual which, uh, if you ask Miriam Webster, the know-it-all, she'll tell you that it means that I am open to dating anyone regardless of their gender, their sexual orientation, their presentation. If you ask me, I'll tell you that I date everyone but cisgendered straight white men. Um, It's not out of distaste. It's out of distrust. And I don't want to be microaggressed where I sleep. I don't have the energy for it. Uh, and some of you guys are like, Kima, you're so much judgment. Have you even? Oh, oh, I have. <laughs> okay. I tried to gentrify my vagina. Okay. <laughs> Mostly to see if white male privilege was sexually transferable. And I'll tell you, temporarily, yeah. Temp- temporarily. Um, so I identify as a pansexual. I did identify as bisexual, we are very similar. Ask Miriam. Um, I'm not an expert on the book. I just live in the pages. Um, and what's interesting about being bisexual is that I feel like no one really wants to take bi folks seriously. Uh, there's a lot of erasure uh, when it comes to being a bi-person. Like, people don't really see you as legit outside of the LGBT community. But I think sometimes the hate, the hate can be even worse from within the LGBTQIAJK, P community. <laughs> sometimes within the community, people have the nerve to look down on you even while you're going down on them. <laughs> it's kind of like, how is this not gay enough? I just, it's just exhausting. It's so exhausting. Oh, geez. Uh, as I've told you, I'm not strictly dickly, um, but at the moment, guys, I do find myself, yeah, quite keen for the peen. Um, and it's just, it's a weird place to be. And I think back to my last phallic encounter. You know, it's just in the back of my memory like a dream. It was such an interesting hot moment. Uh, It was with a a French man. Ooh, yeah. I got to feel myself exoticize someone. It was... uh, Amazing. <laughs> Tapping into my inner wet guy. I was like, oh, this is, a, this is so dope. Uh, and he didn't speak very much English, which I was just like, ooh, English privilege too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Amazing. And what was crazy is he kept using like the same small group of words to describe everything. And I was so juiced about it. And by juiced, I do mean wet. Um, and he was like, oh, this night, is so special. Looking into your eyes is so special. I was like, "Mm, never learn another word. (laughs) Special works for me. (laughs) And what was so wild was as we were in the throes of passion, "Mm, mm," even with his limited vocabulary, he managed to say, can I? (laughs) May I? Which just is really a testament to the fact that english-speaking dudes must just be lazy <laughs> what it's not that hard to do it's consent <laughs> consent uh, and you can put jam on it and amazing uh, so recently i went home to texas which was like uh, uh, i haven't been home in so long so long that i forgot that i don't get along with my mom <laughs> ah! I love that. It was a nice to be, so nice to be reminded and um, there's a lot of love in our relationship. Uh, there's a lot of love, just not a lot of liking. Okay, <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. We're fine. Uh, we were out having dinner and the receipt came and like we're so close and so jokey uh, that when she got the bill and it was quite expensive, she told me, I haven't had to treat anyone like this in a long time. Uh, I feel like I'm on a date or something and we're so close and we're so jokey that I was able to say to her, I don't care how expensive it is, I'm not gonna fuck you. Um, And it's just like nice to be able to say that to your mom. It's really nice that we're so close. Um, but while I was home, my mom was always on my case about like everything because I used to be like super heteronormal. Like the things that I could do with an eyeshadow palette and a penis, bitch. Oh, oh, I was killing the game, and she misses her. She misses that person with like the long hair and the long dress. And I'm just not that guy anymore, and she can't deal with it. Oh, she's always like, "Where's your makeup, Kima?" Where are your earrings? Oh, her favorite. Where's your bra? <laughs> uh! I keep trying to tell her I'm doing a science experiment about gravity. Just calm down. <laughs> I like to be a braless creature. I just, I like to do my thing. Some of you guys are probably trying to peep my sweet nips right now. I'm not offended. <laughs> I'm not offended. It's not a big deal. But my mom is really not cool with it at all. But luckily when we were hanging out, my favorite. How dare I? Oh, my God. I'm going to do it. I'm, a step, I'm, I'm digging the hole. I'm going to step deeper. My favorite woman. Oh, God. My mom's going to listen to this. But what? Oh, God. My favorite woman, Manana, was there, and she had my back. Manana is so sweet and so lovely that once we were out having dinner together, and she ordered a cherry Coke, and then I ordered a cherry Coke, and when I looked at her, I was like, that would be good. You know what I mean? I looked at her, and she was just staring at me with, like, tears in her eyes. And I was like, Nana, are you okay? And she was like, okay. I'm more than okay. I'm great, baby. It's me and my granddaughter having a night out on the town, drinking <laughs> cherry Cokes. Like, <laughs> she's, like, the most adorable woman. So when my mom was, like, getting on at case and being like, hey, put on a bra. My Nana jumped to my rescue. She said, hey, you let her enjoy those cute little nipples while she has them. They're only gonna get bigger. <laughs> Thanks, Nana. Uh, she's, also, uh, she's also a super religious woman, uh, which you know, I got mad respect, mad respect. Believe what you want. She moved to a new church, oh, which is like such a big deal such a big deal, and I was like, Nana, do you love your new church? Do you love it? And she was like, yes, I do love it. The spirit is really present in the building, and that pastor, mm, that pastor sure do know, he sure does know how to lift the Lord's name up on high, mm, and that band, ooh, that band, hmm, mm, they play that so good, they play that music so good, and Kima, let me tell you, there's a saxophonist in that band. <laughs> Ooh, it's a saxophonist in that band, Kima, and I tell you, he plays that thing so good and make you want to cream your jeans, amen? Ooh, <laughs> praise him! Oh, man. Uh, and it is because of great women like her that I am able to talk to you about creaming my jeans today. Uh, you guys have a great night! Welcome back to Emma Francis Ford.
0: blazing our next guest (laughs) opposed the removal of the only woman from British banknotes leading Mm. to the Bank of England's swift announcement that the image of Jane Austen would appear on the £10 note by 2017 (laughs) her most recent campaign was for the first sculpture of a woman in Parliament Square the statue of Millicent Fawcett was unveiled in April 2018 (laughs) and she has a book which was released yesterday Woo! Invisible Women Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. It explains the dangerous consequences of a world where for women the drugs that don't work and the cars don't fit. Hmm. Put your hands together and make extraordinary guilty feminist woo-hooing welcoming noises for the wonderful <gasps> Caroline
4: Creator Perez. <laughs>
0: Let's see Caroline has brought out Poppy, her dog. Poppy, her dog. <coughs> Poppy, her dog. She, Poppy, her dog. I so, love it. Uh,
7: you know, She just really loves a crowd and to be adored, so I yes, sort of figured...
0: I relate. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> I can adore Poppy.
7: I relate.
0: Poppy. I'm a feminist, but I misgendered Caroline crello mm. Perez's dog backstage mm. and called her a he. Wow. Yeah, poor wow. Poppy. She is. Right. She's yeah. used to it, though. I'm busy. Yeah. It was
7: a slip of the tongue. My God, the judgment. <laughs>
4: the
0: well, ju-
7: but it's actually very interesting because most people actually do call her a he. And in fact, one of the studies I found in when I was researching the book is that most sort of animals, most sort of stuffed animals get referred to as male. And mm. they did this one study where they looked at how much it would take to get people to refer to a stuffed animal as a she. Mm. And even referring to the stuffed animal as a she beforehand didn't work. They had to make it pink and sparkly oh, and God. refer to it as she and give it a female name. And then wow. finally, but even then, not all people were would, referring. Would do it. Yeah, because yeah, it's just so ingrained. So basically what I'm saying is don't feel too bad about it. No, mm. no. I, the thing is, I knew
0: Polly, like Poppy, sorry. Poppy. The thing is, Look, I knew you're just Poppy... just trying to insult her now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the, thi- <laughs> the thing is, I knew Poppy was a girl. It was a genuine slip of the tongue. She is so gorgeous. She's just yeah. mesmerised
7: by the audience. I'd, I'd she loves the audience.
0: <laughs> she loves the audience. So, Caroline, you've done amazing things for visibility for women. You're, Guys, focus, come on. Yeah, you're being upstaged <laughs> by a very sweet little dog. This is, um, this is my life. This book, Invisible Women, I'm so excited about. And I haven't read it all yet, but I've read some of it and I've sort of skimmed through with such excitement and been riveted by certain parts. It's something you can read cover to cover, but then think, go back and always dip in and out of. Could you tell us a little bit about it? This is about exposing bias. This world is designed and architected for men. So, for example medical research, Mm -hmm. drugs, that kind of thing. Could you tell us a little bit about how those tend to be biased towards men?
7: Well, basically, it's that the vast majority of medical knowledge that we have is based on the male body. Female humans, female animals, and female cells are all excluded from drug trials and have been for a very long time. So the vast majority of drugs... Have barely been tested in women. And as a result, women are much more likely to have an adverse drug reaction. That's why so Um, many of our women have a cough tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's no drugs. It was like they were sort of slightly theatrically proving your point there. It's (laughs) systemic, yeah. I mean, it is systemic. And I mean, there are various (laughs) reasons for it. But uh, one of the main excuses that you get is just women are too hormonal. Um, and so we're too difficult. We love that excuse. Yeah. Mm. We're Especially too when we're hormonal. But of course, <laughs> that, <laughs> that doesn't really work for cells because, you know, a cell doesn't have a period. But uh, Good T-shirt. <laughs> but even in cell studies, you know, they're sort of like 90% based on male cells, and I came across this study that just made me so angry because of how suggestive it was about what we could have been missing out on. So they exposed male and female cells to oestrogen to see how they would react to fight off a virus, And the male cell was not able to use oestrogen and was taken over by the virus. The female cell used oestrogen, fought off the virus. Now, if we're starting most of our medical trials in male cells, you know, you have to think how many medications for women have we missed out on because they just didn't work on the male cells. And when you tie that in with the fact that one of the number one adverse drug reactions that women get, and bear in mind, as I said, women uh, have far more adverse drug reactions than men, one of the number one ones, just after nausea is that the drug just didn't work. You know, you put those two things together, and I just get furious. Um, you were telling me about Viagra. Oh, <laughs> so there's two great stories about Viagra. The, I'm sure there are more than <laughs> just two. <you. laughs> the relevant ones. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I did walk into that.
0: Um, so anyone got a great story about Viagra? <laughs> get in line. Actually, we'll in I, I
7: have a great story about Viagra. Maybe that's not for now. Actually, (laughs) let's not not do that. I'll tell you backstage. The way Viagra was discovered, for those of you who don't know, was obviously an all-male trial where they were actually trying to find a new heart drug. And just so that you know, women have been more likely to die in the US and the UK following a heart attack since 1984, and it's the number one killer of women. So, you know, you should be angry that this drug trial was done mainly on men, and still most drug trials are done mainly on men. But anyway, so they did this all-male drug trial... And it didn't really work for heart medication, but they noticed this happy side effect. And so, you know, the rest its history. Viagra went out and they got it patented and that was all great. In 2013, a medical researcher looked into whether or not Viagra would work for period pain. And as I'm sure a lot of people in this audience know, there aren't that many great medications for period pain. If nurofen doesn't work for you or paracetamol doesn't work for you, you're kind of screwed. There's nothing there. Anyway, so he looked into this. It was a man, unusually, and it was a small-scale study, and they found that compared to a placebo, this drug that is Viagra offered four hours of pain relief, total pain Mm. relief, no side effects. Unfortunately, they ran out of funding, so they weren't able to prove the hypothesis. So they applied for more funding, and they were rejected on the basis that this isn't a public health priority. So hold on a minute. So erection.
3: What a sick burn
0: to I my mean, entire gender. Yeah, so like, so erections.
4: Yeah.
0: Public public health priority. Public health priority <laughs> for cis men, but when it comes to cis women, period pain. Suddenly we've run out of fucking
7: money. Well, there are five times as many drug trials on erectile dysfunction as there are on PMS. Of course there are, though. Of course there are. Why are we shocked by that? Who
0: runs the world? Well, apparently not. (laughs) answer was wrong.
7: Um, And can you tell us about uh, snow clearing? I think this is a really good example of why you should be collecting sex-disaggregated data. Like, if you don't care that women are dying probably there's no hope for you, but you might care that, that you can save some money, which is what they discovered in Karlskoga in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was Sweden, because, you know, they're better than everyone. Um, <laughs> so they were doing a gender audit, again, Sweden, of all their policies, and someone apparently in the meeting made this joke of, well, at least the gender people won't get involved in the snow clearing, lol. And unfortunately for them, of course, the gender people were like, ah, how interesting, let us look at this snow clearing you speak of. And they realized that the order in which they were clearing the roads was benefiting typical male versus female travel patterns. So men are more likely to do a twice daily commute and they're more likely to drive. So they have a much more simple way of traveling and they tend to sort of travel on the main roads. Women, because of their unpaid care responsibilities and also because they are likely to have less money, tend to be more likely to use public transport and do a thing called trip chaining. So that's you drop the kids off at school before you go to work, pick the groceries up on the way home. Uh, maybe take an elderly relative to the doctor. So women's travel patterns are more complicated. So they were clearing the major roads first and then clearing the pavements and the local roads. And so Mm. they thought, well, let's just switch it up because, you know, it won't cost any more money. And they figured it is easier to drive a car through three inches of snow than to push a buggy or walk. And so they did that. What they didn't expect to find was not only did they not have to spend any more, they actually saved money. Because Mm. what they discovered was that there were far fewer people being admitted into A&E for falling over and hurting themselves in nice conditions <laughs> 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 and it turns out that the cost that they saved of not having to patch up all these women who were falling over in icy conditions, and I think it was like 70% of people and women were having much worse injuries as well, was many, many times over the winter road maintenance cost. I sort of think that's a great example of collecting sex-disaggregated data. If they'd been collecting who is being admitted to hospital, they might have thought, hmm, why are there so many women falling over and hurting themselves? Maybe we should look into the snow-clearing thing. Gender equality does not only make life better for women it also saves you money so that mm. you know if you don't care about women dying maybe you, mer- care, you about care about saving money yeah, yeah it's just yeah, yeah. a thought well, i always think
0: <laughs> i always think i like to make those arguments because i want to appeal to the people mm-hmm. in power and the yeah. people in power often mm-hmm. don't care about the same things we care about and i don't care why they do it i care that they do it i agree and in terms of tech Mm-hmm. Uh, tech is now often architecting our world, and then we're having to respond to it as much as it's being designed for us, especially as women. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what you talk about in the book there? So,
7: the concern really with the tech world is that the tech world is so male dominated, and all the evidence we have shows that women are just less likely to forget that women exist. No. Um, and are more likely to do gender analysis but it's not just about forgetting that women exist it's also you know knowing what women's needs are a lot of this is not you know men being malicious it's just they have different typical travel patterns like for example with carl the men who designed the snow clearing schedule weren't doing it in the hope that women would fall over and end up in hospital mm-hmm. they genuinely thought this is how everyone travels this is the best hmm. way to do the snow clearing assumptions are things we don't know we're making exactly and so I mean I think another really good example, this one from the tech world, is the very famous screw up of Apple when they introduced what they called a comprehensive health tracking app, where you could track copper intake and molybdenum. I don't know what that is, but you know, apparently well, you, you don't need know to track what that it. Is. Um, but you couldn't track your period. You know, it's not really comprehensive if like fifty percent of the world have this thing that they like to track and you can't track it. You know, that's not necessarily life threatening, but It sort of is indicative of a a mindset and what the problem is when you have a very male-dominated workforce who are creating these things that are going to have huge power over us. And this is in the context of algorithms. And the concern about algorithms is that they are becoming increasingly involved in our lives, increasingly making decisions on our behalf. But because they're being trained on incredibly male-biased data sets, They are making decisions that worsen gender equality and the actual concern as well is studies that have been done on this show that the machine learning because of the way the machines learn to make it more and more the way they think it is, it actually makes it worse and so you've got things like algorithms making decisions in job hiring, they're scanning CVs, they are starting to be introduced into the medical world and that is terrifying Because we already have this huge problem of male-biased data in medicine. Human doctors, you know, are bad enough. But if you're Mm. going to have algorithms... And the other issue with algorithms is they're often protected as trade secrets. So we can't even look at them to see whether the coders are accounting for the fact that their data is hopelessly male-biased. But based on, you know, what we can see, it certainly doesn't seem as if they are. And again, this is partly because it's such a male-dominated industry and the awareness just isn't there that this is happening. So oh. we're sort of going blind into this potentially terrifying dystopian world, which mm. is you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book, because I really want us to take stock and stop and think mm. about what we're doing and try to, well, not try to, just do it. I'm just saying, collect data on women, it's not hard. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's quite simple.
0: I'm really excited about this book. And you're doing a crowdfunding to send this to all the MPs, including the sexist ones. Mm. Including the sexist (laughs) ones, yeah.
7: So... um, (laughs) So it's it's a crowdfunder on GoFundMe. If you Google GoFundMe Invisible Women, it'll come up. And, yeah, the idea is that they are going to send a copy to every MP, including a cover letter which will have information based on their constituency. I'm really looking forward to the letter that they send Philip Davies and Christopher Chope, our favourite. Yeah, so if people want to share
0: that, that would be great. you can buy a copy in the foyer. I imagine those will all run out tonight because there won't be one for everybody, but tomorrow you can get it at your bookstore, you can get it at Waterstones. Again, if you get it at Amazon, you have to offset that uh, by, (laughs) by, by popping something into the crowd funder. But get a copy and you're armed then with all this information for dinner parties where yeah. you need it most. Thanks, um, baby. It's called Invisible Women. It's by Caroline Creator perez uh, You're doing great work, Caroline. And a big round of applause for Caroline and Poppy! <laughs>
4: and the wonderful <laughs> To
0: close our show, have you had a good one? Yes! Yeah. Then to close our show and to close International Women's Day week for us all, please welcome back to the stage, Sadie Sinner!
2: Good evening, everybody. Um, I was brought here to sing, not talk, but I just think representation is really important. So um, if there's anyone in the audience who's attracted to me and you're a man, it's not going to happen, is what I'm trying to say, basically. (laughs) Happy International Women's Day to everybody, every kind of woman that there is. It is such a privilege to be here.
4: You're going to get it. You're going to hear it. Thank yeah. you.
0: Energy that Mm -hmm, you need mm -hmm. for International Women's Day. Big
3: clit energy. Oh, no, I say big... (laughs) I said big kitten
4: energy. You feel it?
0: I said big kitten energy. Big kitten? Yeah, because I have two kittens. I have two kittens, and every time I see them just, like, for hours running around the house and climbing curtains, I always think... Those big dicks should come and take a look at what energy really looks like. Yeah, yeah. I, I want feel those that. big dicks to come round to mm, my house. Yeah.
3: and then talk about energy. Same. What did dicks do? <laughs> <laughs> what did dicks do? Uh no energy. I want to ask. Uh, I feel like this is a great moment to do it. Uh, would you be a part of my reality TV show, The Real Cat Moms of North London? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Our next <laughs> guest. <laughs> It's like
0: house lifestyle. And- yeah, I see what you're going for. I see what you're going
1: for. <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com.